episode of the Drum Corps podcast. Uh, we're continuing our conversation on East Coast versus West Coast today. Um, but today we are taking a special look at the guard world. Uh, so we're very excited to have um, lots of really great guests from all over the country. Uh, and we're going to be talking about guard. Um, I think before we start in earnest, uh, I think David has a couple words about uh, our favorite game, Drum Corps Tycoon. Hello. Uh, we keep plugging it every single week because we just love this game so much. Uh, Drum Corps Tycoon is an awesome game from Alex Lukens and the Lot Hype crew. Uh, it's just a Drum Corps game. I, um, I think I've described it a lot lately. I believe it's in the official release stage. Uh, he's always looking for new stuff to put into it. Um, you now can pick your caption heads. You can exp uh, grow their experience and stuff like that. All caption heads are now gender neutral, by the way. So that um, that just got placed in last week. So that's a really cool thing. Oddly, oddly strange to put into the code currently, according to him. So that was that took a lot of effort from to get in there. Uh, it's just a fun game. Uh, you can design your own show. You can compete. You have to think about things like budget, going in debt because every drum corps goes in debt, and how to get out of it, how to get fans, how to like you know beat your favorite drum corps shows of all time. Uh, my hot take: whenever I get to the 2008 season. I'm not a huge fan of Spartacus, so I always try and beat Spartacus for a show called Spartacus Sucks, and I've only done it once so far. So Spartacus is currently one for five against me, which <laughs> I guess that makes it a pretty good show. But Drum Corps Tycoon, $1.99, the iOS store as well as the Google Play store. I love it. Uh, I played as much as I can. I suggest you go buy it too. So I guess, Gareth, why don't you start us off what we're doing tonight? All right. We're talking uh, Color Guard, so... Uh... Let's start introducing our guests, but uh, before we do that, I'll give myself a brief intro. Uh, I'm Gareth. I marched brass for Cadets 2, Blue Knights, and Blue Coats. Uh, hi, I'm Cyrus Hyderi, uh, one of the other co-hosts. I run all the tech stuff for the podcast. Um, my marching experience, uh, I've been mar I marched since 2012, uh, one season with Cadets 2, uh, five seasons with the Reading Buccaneers. Uh, and I aged out with uh, Jersey Surf. Uh, all of those years, I marched either baritone or tuba. My name is David Keller. I'm the last uh, host in this podcast and the least good-looking because my other two co-hosts are so much better-looking than me. Uh, I marched four years of the University Indoor Drumline on drum set and vibes, and then two seasons of Cadets 2 with one, set, one on drum set and one on mellophone. And the only validation I have on this conversation is I'm married to someone who did guard. So I kind of know this conversation, but our four guests, which are about to introduce themselves, have so much more passion about this than we do. So I just want to say you're all in for a really good episode. Last night's planning call was one of my favorites because the three of us just kind of sat back and they would like find a topic and talk about it. So uh, why don't our guests introduce ourselves? I believe B, you are up first. Yeah, B, you're up first. Hi, I'm B. I'm March Fusion, which is a DCA core from 2010 and 2017, and Blue Knights in 2018 and 19. And I'm currently doing marketing for a company that puts on tech summits all across the country. Uh, I'm Kirsten. Uh, I marched six years with the Blue Knights, um, and I currently am director at University of Colorado Boulder for Color Guard and Fairview High School, um, both in Colorado, and. I am a GIS technician as a day job, so I look at maps and I make sure they match imagery. Uh, 
Hey guys, I'm Mackenzie. I have marched uh, the Reading Buccaneers DCA Corps in 2013. I filled a hole in 2015 and continue marching all the way up to 2017. I then marched Santa Clara Vanguard in 2018 and aged out with them in 2019. Um, I'm a current student at Westchester University, dual major education, special education. Um, so I work at a daycare and I'm a director of two different color guards while also lifeguarding. Hi, I'm Mariana. I um, I marched the Hawthorne Caballeros, uh, the Cadets to Carolina Crown, um, the Cadets, and then I'll be spending my age out with Santa Clara Vanguard. Um, I'm currently a server <laughs> at a restaurant, and then I also help um, run the program at Mechanicsburg High School here in Mechanicsburg. Awesome. It's great to have you all on. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, so I think my first question might just be, is East Coast, West Coast a thing in Color Guard? Because I know in Brass World, we discovered that um, these aren't no really... No one cares. <laughs> yeah, we don't really see uh, drum corps with these categories. Um, so first off, is this a thing? And uh, to what extent is this a thing? Do you see it as a thing? Yeah, um, so it is a thing there is a difference in style between east coast and west coast and color guard um probably the biggest thing we see is that east coast it's all about spinning your face off you're doing really complicated stuff with your hands you're throwing a bunch of tosses you're doing a bunch of impressive tricks under those tosses and then west coast it's more about dance it's more about movement it's more about um how your body interacts with the flag and it's more about the expression and quality um, of what you're doing yeah, and going off of that, the approach, especially in the color guard world, when it comes to East Coast, West Coast drum corps is very different. Uh, a lot of times you'll see a lot of West Coast color guards, they kind of go more so of the quality and not necessarily the quantity. So going off of doing one rep that is the best that you can do versus, okay, we're going to do 20 reps of this so that nobody breaks. Whereas that's kind of more so seen in the East Coast version of the more reps you do, the better we're going to be instead of saying, okay, if we do one less rep, then we can actually focus on other things. Yeah, I think East Coast is definitely more um, technique based and it's more valued on like a structure. And I think um, West Coast is known to be a little more abstract and more artistic. Um, I think both have been meshing a lot. We talked about that last night, like the styles are meshing and each coast is taking something from another and staffs and everyone are moving around so it's interesting to see how everything is kind of colliding now it's like you can't just be great at technique you have to have the artistic and quality about it it's just kind of everyone's colliding now all the worlds are coming together i guess b i'll ask you since you um you started in the new jersey area with fusion core and you went out to blue knights um when i watched drums um because we found out drums this is a huge conversation as well as design and stuff um, I can kind of close my ears and somewhat hear a little bit of the East Coast, West Coast, and just like how the velocity we hit the drum, uh, even down to like how the rudiments you pick are used there. Is there a way to like look and see East Coast, West Coast? Um, or is it kind of more of a logistical label we put on it? Or is it just something we do it because it used to be a thing bigger and now it's not? So what would you say to that? Um, I would say if you watch your group, you can kind of tell maybe not exactly what group it is, but what coast they come from or what kind of approach their their staff values. Um, going over quantity versus quality, if I were to watch a group rehearse, like 
if you saw an East Coast group and they had an hour, they would take the full hour to run as many chunks as possible, whereas West Coast might take um, 45 minutes to really nail it down. And once you're consistent and you're getting through it, they're happy and they'll give you um, a little bit longer of a water break, whereas East Coast is like, we have an hour, we're doing this for an hour. I don't care if it's only four counts, we're going. Gotcha. What it, going? Um, I, I, I don't mean to like, I just kind of want to get back to it. It sounds like East Coast, West Coast Guard, I, it keeps going back to rehearsal techniques. Is that actually kind of more what it is than anything? It might be some of that. Um, I think West Coast style kind of with the, we're gonna just take as long as we need. It's also, they will spend, or at least in my experience, the instructors will spend more time just sitting there and explaining to you how to do it and making sure you have information like almost sometimes after every single rep they will sit there and take five ten minutes and explain this a different way trying to get you to understand it so you do it fewer times and therefore if you're doing it wrong you do it wrong fewer times and so it's in your body wrong for less amount of time and you fix it sooner and in relationship to how many reps you've been doing Mackenzie you had a point you wanted to say um, when B was like saying like the whole like water breaks thing, there's one interesting thing about Vanguard is we don't use water jugs at all throughout the entire season. We don't get the Coleman jugs. So instead we have the typical like five gallon water gods and we have water cups and we use those instead of water jugs so that we get more water breaks. So like we'll have five minute water breaks every hour instead of a gush and go. Like, I don't know, like going from East Coast, DCA, all I knew was a gush and go and set up like four different water jugs around the field because you're running around the entire field. Whereas then I'm like, oh, we get like a 10 minute water break because we have to use a water cup. So like for that, the water break thing is so true. That's very Cavaliers as well. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talked about that when uh, Mike McIntosh and Martin were on the show, how like the Cavaliers, especially since Vanguard got a lot of the Cavi staff from 11, it kind of makes sense they brought that too. Um. Huh. I'm really curious. I guess I know it wasn't in our notes, but curious. And if you kind of uh, go down a little bit more um, about that teaching style thing, because I, from our mental health episode, I have ADHD. And so I always over explain things and I find it kind of funny. I've actually been told I'm a very, I'm a not very good music teacher, I guess in the East coast style, because I'm talking too much. I'm taking over reps because I'm like, I want to get that way down there. And I've actually had people tell me no one talks as much as you when you teach. But I just heard you describe something that's exactly what I do. And I kind of would like, maybe for just personal reasons, if you just like maybe expound upon that and maybe be in McKenzie who've been out there, if they want to like explain a bit more, because that is super foreign to this East Coast boy. Yeah, um, I think when I first went to Blue Knights, we learned a bunch of basic exercises and we would spend, I think like the first, definitely the first week of spring training, like just learning those basic exercises. And after every single one, like there was a lot of information given about like where exactly your flag should be and where your body should be. And like the quality of each count, like some counts you hit harder than others and some you just kind of flow through. Um, and that was probably the most information I've ever been given about color guard ever. Whereas uh, I feel like a group on the East coast might just continually do the rep or the exercise like for an hour. And you might get like, hints and clues here and there or uh, comments on timing but to really delve into the quality of each count of a basics exercise was something I had never personally experienced. 
Anyone else got anything about that? Because that's just fascinating to me. I like I like that a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. I guess yeah, Mackenzie, I how is the how is that something? Do you have a, as an East Coast girl? Do you have a response to that? Is it like so? Like why on the East Coast does it seem the guards don't take the time to break it down? Maybe or are they breaking it down? But like, what's the difference of how they do it? Um, I know from East Coast to West Coast, like East Coast, we were used to changing bigger chunks of show constantly. Like, oh, let's just throw in a whole nother section or, oh, let's just toss away this entire drill, like for the ballad and do this instead. Whereas West Coast, like for Vanguard, we would never go out with a full show because they're like, we're going to take our time and we're going to do it right. Like, okay, we know that there may be a couple few things that need a change, but those things are going to be small, minor, unless it's something like the judges really hate that they don't like. So like, we wouldn't be rewriting an entire section of drill or an entire section of show, both drill-wise and or flag work. And it would even be staged sometimes too. We wouldn't like, they would just kind of be like, you know what, ignore the whole drill kind of thing. We kind of just want to stage you on the props, around the props, like they have dots, but you don't kind of thing. So we would be able to spend more time because of that slow pace and knowing that we're not going to have to constantly learn by focusing that on technique. So for it, like Vanguard, like what B was saying, like we would spend like two weeks, three weeks doing just technique. We would slowly learn. It would take us two weeks to learn maybe the opener. Yeah, I, I guess I'm wondering uh, whether this sort of design standpoint aspect of the different coasts um, is in both the indoor activity and the outdoor activity. Because um, I know that this is something that we talked about with um, like horn line drill and stuff like that. Um, so I'm wondering if whether um, that has a big influence on the way the color guard designs as well, or whether if the, the color guard is in isolation and in the indoor activity, whether you see the same trends or whether it's maybe a little bit different. Um, I know for Vanguard, since our like head designer, Andy Toth, is in charge of color guard also and he's like he's come from the color guard background and is still very high up in the color guard um so like i think because of that we that's the similar approach for both the horn line and the color guard at vanguard like it's not really separate like the, the horn line does something differently and approaches it differently than the color guard and we now have at vanguard we have two performers at march pride for many years that are there for the brass movement. So they even have color guard background now too. So like it's becoming more involved in the color, everyone really knowing and realizing it. I think with guard, the whole like things taking more time. I know, I, I mean, I've only done East Coast with this. I don't think I've ever had a show that doesn't completely change one way or another. I might have like eight counts of stays in the whole season. And that's about it. But I know East Coast is more about like, okay, let's get the show on the floor and like, let's have a full product. Then we can step back, look at it and see what parts we need to get done. Um, so that's definitely different. You guys are talking about that. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like taking that much time to like put it on the like field or do anything. Like that's wild and boring to me. Um, I'm, I'm really used to, you know, they get the show on the field and like, it's almost fully out there. Maybe there's a song missing and it's like the tiniest thing, but they try and put as much out there as possible. And then they step back later on and look at it and say, okay, which parts do we need to go in? But I, I genuinely don't know if I've ever had a show where more than like 16 counts is the same from the end of the season or from the beginning of the season to the end. 
Yeah. Marching Blue Knights, it's kind of a combination of the two, because we have times where it's like everything is specifically charted out, and we have times where like everyone is just kind of staged. We want this form, especially like the last year or two, it's like we want this form to happen, and then it's going to rotate, and then you're going to scatter. Um, and so you just, it's staged instead of uh, plotted or, or charted. Um, and kind of the different approach to how we how quickly we fill the shows um has changed through the years as well 2016 where we were famously very very slow that year like slower than usual getting our show done um where there was a joke we weren't going to finish until uh prelims day um that year well what happened was um we got through the first three movements of the show and then they didn't want to teach us the closer that they had written uh for us because we were more skilled than they originally noticed. And so they didn't think that the closer they had was going to do us any justice. So we basically just paused um, and they waited until they had a better idea of what they're going to do for their, um, for the closer, which we didn't even start on until like almost the end of first tour, um, basically the start of July. Um, so we, we, we waited until then, until they had a better vision of what they wanted for the closer to even begin it. Um, and so there was that experience. And then there's experiences like in 2018, where especially for the color guards, movement two was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten, all drill, um, choreography, what equipment we were spinning, who was spinning what equipment, like that just kept changing and changing and changing where we were picking up equipment, um, yeah. So it's kind of both. You get you get East and West Coast influences in uh, Blue Knights, depending who is the majority of the staff each year. So yeah, that's definitely different. Like I said, it, we will put twenty-seven versions of a song on the field and figure out if it's right that way, rather than like doing the one and changing in a couple. Like that's that's wild to me. I love that idea. <laughs> um, it's also interesting, we were talking about, um, you mentioned like drill and then like doing more, um, not freeform, but what do you call it? Um, staging. Staging. Yeah, that's the word, guys. Thanks. Um, like He's still learning and... something new. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting though, because I have seen, especially from the last like four years of drum corps, staging has become such a more popular thing in East Coast drum corps. Like I can think of probably actually the past four years I marched, I think there was at least one song that was just staged and then they'd actually end up staging a different part and like erasing the drill and just ending up staging it in general. Um, so I think staging is starting to become an East Coast thing. It's not, I think we're still drill heavy, but um, I know with Indoor Guard, I've never had a show that was like staged. And I know with like Indoor Percussion, they do that, or not, I'm sorry, not staged. I've had them all be staged and none of them be like drill. I know that there's some indoor professions that use like drill and all those kind of things and like different products that they do that for. Um, and I do know of some guards, but I think most guards for indoor staging. So I think it's not as foreign of a concept whenever you move to drum corps and that's there. It's almost more like comfortable yeah. than drill. It's definitely nice. It's also, it's also starting to affect like East Coast marching band because I work at a small, uh, was a 1A, now I'm at a different school, which is a 3A band in Virginia. And 3A for Virginia is tiny, tiny. It's like 50 kids, but we'll get there someday. But like even there, like there's like we're starting to do charts where 
I think we were successful not again, not saying like successful as when we won trophies, but like we were successful in engaging people because we started engaging staging. Uh, like we had an entire movement that way. And like, it was funny because the parents were like, why do they look like they're just making random shapes? And I'm like, yes. Um, and I, cause I think it's also effective in using that again, like just kind of, uh, I did this in 2018. So I just had watched blue doubles do metamorphosis where like, there was a lot of random shapes and just that show was very follow the leader based. So I just kind of took some strategies there and then borrowing a lot of techniques from my wife, from her indoor color guard of like staging, I think has that benefit, especially in guard because you guys are experimenting and it's a, the drill could work, but if the drill writer doesn't know how to write for guard, it's just like the guard instructors, I feel like are so used to just like, oh, this drill's crap, let's just change it anyway. And I feel like that that phrase is used in guard where in drumline, you kind of can't say that because we don't have, the, we ha we're thinking musically and visually. While you guys are just thinking visually, you have so much more of a background in just like, how many spices can we put in this soup? Yeah, I always like staging more too because it's like, <laughs> if something doesn't work, it's not like you have to wait for the drill writer to like free write something. It's yeah. like, okay, let's just not do it. Let's look from the stands and let's just write something else. Like it's that easy. Oh yeah. Um, and, and then I can use the excuse. It's like, whenever something was designed wrong, I can just put whoever told you to stand there is just a freaking idiot. And the kids <laughs> are like you. And I'm like, Hey, so it kind of like creates that collaboration of like, as a teacher, I, I actually enjoy staging because I literally can tell the kids, hey, I messed up. Uh, while drill writing, if I change the drill, I've had kids be like, my dot's here. I'm like, I moved your dot. Um, they're like, you can't do that. Like, do you just do not trust the drill writer? I'm like, uh, okay, that's not why I'm doing this. So it's, it's, an interesting, it's interesting how East Coast is approaching this. Like even borrowing from the guard world and moving it to the band world and stuff like that. Gareth, I think you had something from the chat that you wanted to re read to move us into our next point. Yeah, friend of the show, Jake Archibek, who uh, many of us marched with. <laughs> um, he says he's interested in, uh, he says like East Coast seems like they put a greater emphasis on equipment work while West Coast places more emphasis on dance and movement. Um, and he asks, does the emphasis on equipment stem from the East Coast paying homage to traditional roots of military color guard more? Um, so yeah, what are your responses to, to this statement? Um, is it true um, that the East Coast puts more emphasis on equipment and uh, is this a traditional thing? And I will say I... as we move into this section, uh, a lot of the group people watching tonight are not guard friendly. So just know that like, not guard friendly, but guard knowledgeable. So we will apologize if some of this feels like it's in French. I failed French in college, so I, that, I definitely get there, but I think this next part, I just want to make a point as we move into the equipment versus dance. This is why we made this its own episode because guard is such a foreign concept. Like I don't, I've never played tuba, but I have played a brass instrument. So I can like approach that. Like I get that. I've never played a synthesizer in a drum corps, but I play piano so I can appreciate it. I can march. And so I like can get what guards are doing at their feet but like everything else is odd and weird. So just kind of go with us for the rest of the episode. I, I'm, I just, just know that uh, we will clarify and define anything as you move into the technique part of it and the equipment part. So just know that we are just as lost, but just as excited as everyone is in the, in the crowd of like how to talk guard. So whoever wants to go first of that question, go for it. I can go. 
Um, I don't really agree with that, actually. I feel like East and West both kind of emphasize on technique because when you're in DCI, you have all the time in the world to focus on technique. Um, so I don't really think it like that whole like focus on technique from the East stems from military backgrounds. I just think it's the approach and like each color guard and a drum corps has different approaches for technique that maybe they're like, okay, we like to sit here and do 500 drop spins, which is a standard like hand warm up and 500 peggy spins, which is another standard hand warm up that we do on flag where others will do an entire like exercise that they would consider a flag warm up. So it's more so those kind of different technique approaches, I feel like than necessarily like, oh, they don't do technique, but we do. Yeah, and explaining the exercise and how that's different than just sitting there and doing 500 drop spins. So an exercise is almost like it's using your basic skills and it's putting it into its own little choreographical piece. So it's a little bit more like choreography than it would be sitting there and just working on one basic skill. So it combines several skills all at once, usually with some body, usually with some changes of facing and direction. So it's a little bit more choreographical than it is just straight basics. Yeah, I think Mackenzie has it right. I, I, I'm not sure if I agree with that so much. I think every, I think both core or both coasts like focus on equipment. I think it's just the approach that each coast takes is a little bit different. Like I said, it's a little more, I wouldn't call it militaristic though, but there is like a more, it's very like tight on the East Coast and it's a little more, I don't know, I don't want to call it artsy, but it's like, again, a loose. looser. Yeah, loose. Yeah. That's the good word. Okay, you guys are all like filling in my words. It's fine. Um, but it is, it's a little more loose on West Coast, not so, yeah, it's just very like hard and rough and um, not rigid on the East Coast, but it is, it's a little more militaristic. And I don't know if that comes from the background of it, but I mean, I know with Marching Cadets, it, it was a lot of that. It was, this is how you, like, we were taught back in the day, and you're still taught that way. In 1934, we were still taught this way. <laughs> like, like it's, it's true though. I mean, I whenever you would talk to alumni, they're still talking about how they would sit there and do executives with their rifles, and it's the same way we do it today. Um, and it is a really sharp, rigid technique. And I, I've noticed with learning with Vanguard now that there is a lot of that technique built in, um, but there is definitely a different approach about it. It's not so like hard hitting. It's like, okay, we're gonna do this because this is what we're told. It's kind of weird. So I think one of the, oh, go, go ahead, my bad. I was just gonna say, when you learn like choreography, when I've learned it on the East Coast, it's more like, this is what your hands are doing and that's what you learn first. And then later on they add in the body or then they teach you about that. Whereas uh, on the West Coast, it kind of all goes hand in hand. Like you're gonna lean and go this way and it's gonna make the rifle go that way. Or um, you're gonna do this with your feet and that's how it's gonna motivate the equipment. Um, in East Coast, they get put together eventually but in West Coast, I feel like it's all taught at the same time. Um, so like in West Coast, what your body is doing informs what your equipment is doing. And then East Coast, what your equipment is doing informs what you could do with your body. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a different way that they layered it. Um, and something we kind of struck on last night was it's, it's quality versus quantity. So West Coast, it's the quality of the movement. It's how you do the movement. And so you may not be doing a lot of really hard stuff, but you, what you do do, you do it like with a really nice expressive quality. For East Coast, you may not be as focused on that expressive quality. You're trying to literally spin your face off, do 
a million crazy things, all the tricks under the tosses. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit different in their approach to what content they want in the choreography as well. So one of the points we kind of got to last week of which at least to kind of reference this to drums is it's really hard to talk East Coast, West Coast drums in the grand scheme of things because like of how staff has moved. Like is Paul Rennick really West Coast because he's a Vanguard or is Paul Rennick just Paul Rennick and Vanguard happened to now sound like him, especially since like he's more associated historically with like Phantom or like Colin McNutt who was of cadets and is now with Boston is a Vanguard guy. And he grew up like kind of Murray Gussick from uh, Vanguard 92. And so he has a very West coast approach of like fingers and like volume and stuff like that. So drums we're noticing like staff changes have kind of made, we see schools of thought kind of go together, but we're not really seeing the East coast, West coast styles before because it's kind of melding and merging. Um, is would you say that's kind of the same thing in the guard world? Because I'm pretty sure someone told me Vanguard staff comes from Florida. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong or not. So it's like we have people flying across the country to go work with like guards. So it's like, how can an East Coast guard instructor work in the West Coast? So what's that done for the identity and image of color guard as a whole? Yeah, that kind of shows that like there is no like clear cut East Coast, West Coast color guard and drum corps. Like honestly, when I think of West Coast style color guard marching and drum corps, the only one I can honestly think of is Blue Devils because I know that a lot of that staff does stay from the West Coast. Same with Mandarin. A lot of their staff is in the West Coast for what we would call the indoor season. But you have a lot of people that teach together in the indoor season at the same scholastic or independent color guards that teach together at the same um, drum corps. So those people then typically travel. So we've had people that started out from Phantom teaching and then they went to Crown teaching and then they went to Boston to teach. And you can see those styles are the exact same, but traveling through those different drum corps because of that staff changing. And that is true. Like Vanguard has a lot of Florida staff and like the Georgia southeast coast kind of staff so that's a lot of the style that we have we're not really focused on just this is what was west coast style and this is what a lot of the indoor west coast do so we're gonna do it it's more so this is what our instructors have taught to their students in indoor in their areas which is florida and georgia and all and this is how we're also gonna learn yeah i think you also see that reflected in the members of each group too we talked last night about how a lot of color guard members will select like what drum corps they're going to based off of what indoor group they're trying to march at or what they do march at. So a lot of people who want to march at, again, you, you use the example of the people who went to Phantom, who went to Crown, who went to Boston. A lot of those people also march with like the Pride of Cincinnati or the old Blue Coats color guard or Inspire now. Um, so you see a lot of the same members there because they find that style that they like with those instructors who are wonderful. And you see them reflected into getting more membership from those people. Like they pull from those people and put them into their color guard for the outdoor season. Um, I think it just, with guard, it's not so much about where you want to spin. It's more about like who you want to spin under and like what style you want to learn about, if that makes sense. It's more like what's more fitting for you based off the instructional staff usually. Personally, I feel or at least like that's what I've seen. Personally, I feel like the winter season, there is a little bit more of a split between East Coast and West Coast. 
And then it's those staff kind of groups, those staff teams uh, from those winner, those winner groups um, that basically get contracted to different drum corps. And what drum corps they're contracted to may be close to where they, uh, they have their winter guard, but it may be completely across the country. So I think you see a little bit more crossover of styles um, during the drum corps season than you do during the winter guard season. So an East Coast staff may be uh, teaching a West Coast drum corps or vice versa. Um, and so I think the uh, style split does exist, but ex it's a little easier to see um, location-wise in winter season when people are closer to home. Yeah, I think she's she's definitely right with that. Like the outdoor season, it's a it's a it's a mesh of staffs, so it's like there's more of a mesh of those kids too. So if you see East Coast groups that have people who teach on the East Coast, at one group, and then people from Florida, but there's also some West Coast kids out there, then you're gonna have a mix of kids from all across the country. But if you see an East Coast group that has a mainly East Coast staff, it's usually gonna be pretty much East Coast kids. Um, it's just again it's guards usually pick stylistically and like based off staff it's not so much about like oh the vanguard played cool beats that year like i'm gonna go out there it's it's different for guard i think in that respect so just uh making sure i get what you said uh when uh i guess the four of you when you pick the color guards you march with are you guys checking the guards uh like the guard staff over like the core history um or do you just like want to be with a core because it's a core, it's the, it's that core? Uh, I feel like everyone has their different reasons. Like I know I can speak from my personal experience. Like I grew up in this activity. So when I was going to Allentown at such a young age, I would see people that were teaching me in another drum course. So like I saw, I had a dance teacher who was Juliet in Phantom. And I'm like, I want to do Phantom because at that point in time, their color guard was like phenomenal. And then it changed to crown because I saw their crown color guard. And then I just remember like, it's either usually like something you see from a performance, whether it's the color guard or the entire atmosphere, or you just hear from the grapevine of the atmosphere. You're like, okay, like I can see myself there. It's like, I literally remember watching force of nature Vanguard and sitting there. And I literally oh. looked back at my parents and I said, I want to march there. And then like, I worked my butt to it and was like, okay, like, that is the place I want to march at and I don't see myself anywhere else. And I only audition auditioned there for the 2018 season. That's side note, force of nature is my opinion, the best Vanguard show from the past decade. I love that show. So just thought I'd throw that tag out there. For me, it was a little different. Um, Marching blue Knights, Like I saw where they were going with like the 14, 15, 16, even 17 seasons. And I like really fell in love with the types of shows that they were doing. Um, the color guard looked awesome too, but um, I wanted to go out and go do something different. And you have to like take into account all the different things. Like, like Mackenzie said, the atmosphere of the core, um, how, how they treat each other as a as a cohesive group and like what the staff is doing too like I heard of a place personally that like people would wear makeup at auditions which is fine but I'm not a type of person who likes to wear makeup at all so <laughs> to wear while I do drum corps was like like voluntarily was not something I wanted to do so that was just not a core I could see myself fitting into um, whereas blue nights are filled with filled with the weirdest people um, who are kind of open to just trying anything and that's how I am as a person and so I was like I want to do band with those people yeah we uh 
we had Lane Albee tell ghost stories for 30 minutes. So we are, <laughs> we, we had the curtain slightly lifted on the weirdness that has Blue Knights and I am all about it. <laughs> I probably have the least inspirational reason for deciding which core to join because I was so young. I first auditioned at 15. Um, so my parents were like, you're not flying anywhere. So my options were Blue Knights because I live in Colorado or Troopers because they at the time they had a van that came to Denver Inter International Airport to drive out to their camps. Um, so I auditioned for Blue Knights and somehow magically got in as a 15 year old. Um, and for me, yeah, so it wasn't really like I chose Blue Knights because they were the Blue Knights or they had this, this or that staff, but I stayed there because of the environment because it felt a lot like a family. Um, and like they were always really open and supporting of, uh, of people. Um, and then I really enjoyed the color guard staff. Um, Brandy DuBose was the caption head for five of the six years I was there. And she was, she was the first person I met instructor wise to really preach the, we will give you more information that you could ever possibly need to make sure that you know how to do this. Um, and so then for 2019, when they changed to a different caption head and she stepped down um, in order to raise her son better, um, or in order to feel like she was raising her son better and able to spend more time with them. Um, I basically just took a chance with the new staff. Like I didn't really know them, um, but going anywhere else, I wouldn't really know them either. So it was either like, I can take a chance in this core that I know with the new guard staff, or I can take a chance with the new guard staff in a different course. So I just decided to stay there and take a chance with what was coming in as the EMBU staff uh, from winter season, so. Yeah, um, so. First off, I just want to say in the chat, uh, Jessica is saying, yes, B and Kristen, or Kirsten, sorry. <laughs> I can't read. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, as long as we're going like joining stories, uh, Mariana, do you have a specific reason why you joined cadets? <laughs> um, I was trying to avoid it. Not avoid it. Um, mine's actually kind of funny. Um, so I, I, again, was really, really blessed to come from a a great marching band program that um, my siblings both marched in as well um, before me. My sister started marching at the Glassman in 2010, 2009, 2010. Um, so drum corps was introduced to me really, really early. And I remember going to a show in Ohio to see her and it was the, the toy soldier year. And I remember like telling my parents, I was like, why do they look so mean? Like they look like they hate this. Like I am never going there. They look like they're having no fun. And, and I, <laughs> I know it's, and that's always what I tell everyone at the beginning of spring training. Um, but yeah, I had no interest in going. And I think there was also the thing that it was so close to home that I was like, ah, no, I want to go somewhere a little far away. Um, but no, as soon as I went to my first cadets camp, I fell in love with the, the history and everything. I was blessed that the staff that I was taught by in high school um, began teaching at cadets back in 2015. And um, that helped me, I think, feel more comfortable. So I had that little comfort zone that I was able to step into a little bit. Um, but no, I think everyone at Cadets, I, I just loved the vibe of, you know, we're here to do a job and there's a lot of history behind this and you have to uphold it and um, it's your job to keep it. And I just loved that. So that's kind of why I stuck at the Cadets because I love that place. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to, 
see uh, what we kind of prioritize when we're looking at, I mean, like to bring it back to East and West, what we look at on the coasts as a member is maybe more like what are rehearsals like, uh, what is the education atmosphere like, uh, what is the core vibe. Um, but I think we look at different things as an audience member. Um, so I'm wondering like, uh, what, what do you look for when you're as an audience member versus when you're actually looking for a core to be a member, if that makes sense? Like for, like for the differences between East and West Coast or just like in Color Guard in general? I guess it's like, we could say like difference between East and West. Like for example, um, I, I see this question as like, what do you value? Like I am East Coast all the way as a, as a percussion guy. There's something about a fully extended arm going into a gawk shot that just makes me very happy. Um, I really enjoy like in 2018, like another example is like in cadets in 2018, when uh, Claire walked out in the traditional uniform with like, I was psyched about that, but like I texted my fiance the stripe of the pants. Like I was more excited about the stripe than the actual uniform because I like, I really value that part of my course history. And stuff. So, um, so I am very much rooted in like the tradition of stuff like that. And that's why I like even like Blue Devils 2017, because it's like there's so much tradition and stuff like that. So like, what are y'all as like in your perspective coasts um, or even maybe it's not even a coast thing or like styles, what do you guys value for maybe not just the cores you picked, but like the shows you enjoy? Yeah, have you noticed it's more because of where you've marched or is it just it doesn't really exist in guard. Y'all just like good, clean guards with great toasters and like a good like sound when everyone catches it. I mean, when like, I honestly didn't think about this when I was first auditioning for Vanguard, but then like I found out how much I appreciated like their traditions and like they're very strong in traditions. Um, and it's not like the harsh traditions, but like how they play clowns, when they play clowns, like stuff like that is an entire drum corps. Um, and just how like the color guard holds themselves up, not just as like a performer, but outside of practice, like even during auditions, like we're looked at at how we respond to like admin, how we respond to the staff, how we respond to just volunteers, like Vanguard's very like, you have like, you need to understand how to appreciate everything you have because you don't understand how lucky you are. And that's something that like, you start to learn just even at the audition camp. So you don't really notice that much if you're just sitting in the audience and watching. Um, whereas like we don't go off campus to eat food or get food we always eat from the food truck to show the respect of our our volunteers that are making our food like little stuff like that like some people are like oh I can't even go off and like go get a soda like whatever closest supermarket is by the stadium that I'm at I'm like no I love this like I love that whole support system that like I didn't know until I actually started to like dig a little deeper yeah I think I, I know I looked at like whenever I look at a color guard, especially in drum corps, um, like she said, like how groups hold themselves is super, I don't know if it's just guards that look at that. I don't know if horn lines and drum lines look at that, but the way that like a color guard carries themselves is their head is high. Even if they have like a terrible run or anything, it's like the way they go about the littlest things, like unloading the bus or anything. It's just like everything in the details. It's like mind blowing how much color guards think about it. And I think I respect that so much. And it makes you think you're like a little kid again, like watching drum corps for the first time. And you're like, I want to do that. Like, I want to be that way. You might be the same age as these people. <laughs> like, 
it's people who are literally just like you, but you look at them and you admire the fact that they are, you know, balls to the walls with everything and they want to be the best person they can be, whether it's just walking in twos or what. Um, I think the other thing that I know I personally look for, and I, and I know a lot of color guard people do with this is um, how much passion someone has when they perform or like a group of people has, like if there is a lot of, it also comes from where I did color guard in high school and like the program I grew up in, but um, how much passion and how much um, like the story that a color guard can tell. I mean, it's the whole visual picture of a show is the color guard. And if they're not doing their job as to portray what they need to or the story that's trying to be told, it's not as impactful. So when I'm in the stands and I watch a color guard who's really impactful to me, it's because they're um, being more theatrical about it and really telling a story and being again the visual storytellers for the whole entire show and they kind of carry that so when a group can do that that's eye-catching for me and that gets my attention i'll agree to that i really want to hear it be and kirsten said but i do want to like echo that part from mariana the first time i actually i think like teared up at a uh a marching show in general uh because cadets too had a very big mechanics group representation uh whatever the fountain show was that one like for some reason just broke me like I, I wasn't like sobbing, sobbing. There's shows that made me do that. But like that one, like it's something about like the end where it's just like, I don't know why that person's crying. I don't understand like why the crowd, I, I, I still don't know when the classic guard shows, but it's just like something about this 360 pixel video from 2014, 15, whatever is like, I feel whatever they're feeling because they've done such a good job of like portraying it to me. And so- I, David, I, I can't watch that video without crying too. You're good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> and I was, I looked like a fool bawling at the end of that video. Let me tell you, I yeah, still I got like goosebumps not talking about it, it. just yeah. because like it's just one of those that I don't know that that I was just gonna let you know. It's like that's I've actually like been following mechanics because I'm like no idea what's happening, but I'm crying. This is odd. <laughs> well, thank so, you. We appreciate that. <laughs> So, uh, B or Kirsten, how do you feel about like stuff like that? It's like, what are you guys looking for as like fans or about your, I guess, coaster preferences as a guard? Um, I personally am a perfectionist. I have a lot of dance training. For me, watching a guard, I cannot connect with the performers if their feet aren't pointed and their hands are limp. Like that Ooh. absolutely ruins a guard Ooh. show for me. Hold out. Um, that's the, if you want guard shows to be ruined for you, the number one thing you watch for is pointed toes and limp wrists. Like you, it's just, as soon as an instructor pointed that out to me, like I cannot watch shows the same. Um, but personally as an audience member, I'm one of those people who likes to sit in the front row. I don't care about overall general effect, what forms you're making on the floor. I wanna see what your hands are doing, like what you're spinning, what all those skills are. Um, and I, I don't care if it's a dance skill, weird funky uh equipment skill like i just want to see you achieve it well um so for me it doesn't really matter if it's east coast or west coast um though personally because of the east coast tendency to focus more on the equipment there is i feel um like there is more of a tendency to not focus on those those hands and feet as much um so a good East Coast group, I can appreciate the spinning a lot, but I'm more likely to 
have it ruined for me because of lack of focus on the body. So West Coast, I'm more likely to be able to enjoy the entire show. Spoken like a true educator. I like it. <laughs> uh, B, what about you? Uh, I would say I look mostly for like clean twirls. Like if you could do the simplest thing, like if every person hits a right shoulder at the same time and it like all locks in, it just looks so nice and crispy. Um, that's what I look for as a person. Um, but also like watching Blue Knights, when you watch them for the first time, you're like, what happened? What did I watch? And by the end of the season, like people kind of catch on, but like, even you were saying 2016, like you don't know what the show's about. Nobody ever knows what the show's about. You're marching, you don't know what the show's about. And I think that's like a super cool thing because especially 2019, like it meant something different to each person that was marching. Like you could go through the show and like I would have a completely different interpretation than Kirsten, but we're all like performing the same thing, which is super strange. Um, usually like color guard at the basic level or drum corps at the basic level, they're like, okay, you're angry here. And, um, or you're really happy or you're crying. And at Blue Nights, they're like, so here's the song and just perform it. And I thought that was a really interesting way to approach color guard. Yeah, they had, I think it was like three different designers at three separate moments explained, tried to explain the emotional journey of the show. And they each had three completely different ideas of when things are changing and what they're changing to. Um, I think the biggest time we had a difference was movement too. If you saw action shots of color guard members, there was people right next to each other with wildly different emotions on their faces. It would be like angry and sad and happy, like all next to each other. Cause that's people were picking out different things in the songs. And so it was just relating to each, uh, to the music a little bit differently. Um, I feel like it's a little more human that way. For me, I really like the humanity and seeing, seeing people's own personalities shine through into the show. I actually have a question for you, Kirsten, because yep. I'm now very confused by that. And maybe it's just a more West Coast thing. You just said the thing you value the most is proper technique, foot placement, hand placement, stuff like that. But to me, at least in the drums, the, the, I, the line I tell in my front ensembles is like the eyebrows or the eyes of the face. And so I, I very much value having my pits and we're having emotion be the same one. I, I do it for the eyebrows. That's my favorite line I've ever come up with. But it sounds like from the neck down, it's very intentional and you care, care about it. But it sounds like from the neck up, you kind of enjoy how like each painting is a little bit different. And I'm just curious if that's like more of a West Coast thing or if it's just it brings something different to the table and you really enjoy that. Okay, so for me as an audience member, I enjoy the more technical aspect. For me as a performer, I enjoy the more human aspect. And so okay. I enjoy experiencing the different human energies of my teammates um, as we perform together. But as an audience member, if your toes aren't pointed, I can't focus on what your face is. Um, but with the like the above the head, below the head, for me, most of the performance comes from your spine and what your spine is doing and when you're, where your head is moving. And then what's happening on your face, you can, you can paste that on. Um, and a lot of the feeling um, kind of should be showing throughout your entire body and how you approach that movement. And that's more of that kind of West Coast feel. Um, kind of your emotion is affecting the quality of your movement. So if I'm doing something like really sad, like maybe I'm really, really soft 
and slow and fluid in my movements. And if I'm angry, it's a lot more like sharp and rigid um, and a lot more tense. Um, and how I'm moving affects how I'm breathing and therefore how I'm breathing affects what's on my face and how I'm emoting. Um, yes, kind of, a, I think that's a little bit more of a West Coast ideology there, but yeah. I guess, uh, Mariana, what's like the antithesis of that for East Coast, if you don't mind me asking? Um, if there is one. <laughs> no, I think it's, I think it's pretty similar. Um, it is really interesting that you, I had, I was laughing when you were saying about like, you can't watch groups that they don't point their toes and limp. And I was like, that's, that's, that's true. That's definitely looser on the East Coast. But I think, I, I almost want to say like the ideology, ideology is like, can kind of get away with it. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> um, but um, no, I mean, she's definitely right there. It's like a looser. Um, it's funny because we value technique with like equipment and stuff. But I think with the body, we try and focus on it. But I think performer wise is more an East Coast thing. Like, and you said that I think that's so, I almost want to like look at your guys' action shots now, where you said that they're like, all three of you are like yeah, different right next to each other. That's, that's insane to me. Cause I can like imagine getting screamed at for that. Like being like, why are you looking this way when somebody else is looking this way right next to you? Like I can imagine getting screamed at for that. So it's just, that's really interesting to me. Um, no, she's definitely right that like East Coast, as much as we value dance and stuff, I think it's more about performer and like telling a story. And I think West Coast is a little more abstract with that. And that's why, um, not that it's, e not that I don't want to say that it's easier to focus on your body and limp hands and all that, but I think there is a stronger focus on that out there, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, e each, each side has their thing. So it just kind of depends. And again, that's a staff, that's a staff preference as well. So if you're being taught by someone who really, really values that, they're going to harp on it more. But like I said, I, I've, again, was around every staff that I've been around has really, really valued performance and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't, I, Chris, Kirsten, if you want to go on my Facebook, I can guarantee you're going to find pictures of my feet being tickled and not pointed and my hands being like this. So, <laughs> so I am your A plus example. <laughs> so I guess to hop to the chat real quick, because I think, uh, once again, hello, Jake, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Jake had the question that something I run into a lot when teaching high school horn line kids is that they ask, what emotion am I supposed to be showing here? Are color guards like in, uh, instructed like how to express certain emotions or does the emotional expression develop more organically throughout the season? So I guess it's kind of what like Kirsten and I kind of want to um, hear what Mackenzie and B have to say about it. Like how it sounds like blue nights are very fine if it being organically, but like, what do you do if you're really confused by it? And I guess Mackenzie, how do you teach it on the East coast? If like you want an emotion here, like, so how, how does that process go when a kid's just like, what am I feeling? So how, if I guess as a member and as teacher, how do you answer that question as like a, a color guard instructor? Yeah. Um, so my like favorite example of how I would even approach it um, is you have to know what that emotion or thing is you're trying to tell, like being putting that in your own personal experience. So like for Vanguard, when we did Babylon, we spent an entire lunch break not able to communicate we were not allowed to talk to each other we were not allowed to use our phones we had to do our entire lunch break trying to like talk and communicate with each other without actually communicating so we can actually feel that frustration and then that joy of finding a like 
someone was quacking like that's how people were commute like like yeah like quacking to try to communicate to each other during our lunch break because we weren't allowed to use physical words of any language to talk and then that literally made you then think wow i can apply this kind of emotions that i'm feeling in first person into my show because i'm experiencing so like when i'm doing stuff with my color guards i like to usually like I, if it's a specific song i'll like play the song and i want them to actually like listen to the song and then i want them to write a story to it so they can kind of picture themselves in that that's movie. awesome instead of just going i want you to feel this they can make it more personal and connect it to themselves where that it's more of that raw true emotion coming from these performers than this forced emotion that they're being told to do so like if you say smile like if everyone's gonna just have this like fake smile on their face but if you say i want you to feel the most joyous feeling you have when someone tells you this best news or you get like you get a puppy like what would you look like kind of thing and then this is the more like okay i put myself in this setting i see myself going through this experience and that is what i look like yeah i think listening to the music and writing down like a story or connection to everything definitely helps like if you you can do this like as a group, maybe at a rehearsal, but especially like this is an easy homework assignment, like listen to your show music. And if it's very like drum heavy and like, you know, drum features, they sound angry. So you like know that instinctually. Sometimes. And ballads are usually like pretty and soft and maybe sad or like cheesy happy. Um, and then connect it to a memory. Like Blue Nights was called I Remember Everything. So literally every song or however you felt that show I would connect it to a memory. So you're not just going out there and you're like, I'm happy. You're like, oh, I'm at Lucas Oil and this is like my dream come true. Kind of happy, which is different than, I just got a puppy. Yeah. And I like for people that are trying to look to like help not just color up performers, but um, like even marching members on the whole performance aspect. If they look up stuff from Wayne Harris, he's very big in the drum corps world with performances. He spends a lot of time with Vanguard blue coats i think he goes to crown he usually does workshops for dci clinics and everything but like he is phenomenal like he breaks down like we've like had to write poems about each like each part of our show for like vanguard like they like make you actually think and put yourself inside the music and not just be like this is the story you're telling it's no how are you actually going to tell your story through this music yeah one thing i do um at least to kind of make this a more practical thing, um, I've actually, I borrowed a lot from my wife um, and her guards. Um, something I make my kids do is whenever we're doing emotions, I make them send me SpongeBob photos um, of just like, all right, listen to the show and then send, or like cartoon, I, I say I prefer SpongeBob because SpongeBob is universal, but it's just like, but send me five photos of a cartoon that you like of what this is making you feel um and just like and then i actually i will personally like have on my phone sometimes their list and so when i walk up to a kid i, I pull up their specific list i'm like all right which one of these are you right now because then you can kind of break it down it's like sorry teaching route we uh we just added something in my county called pear deck where we actually ask the kids how they're feeling some days so mm -hmm. instead of just like happy sad upset uh some of the options you can have like i'm feeling calm secure uh, peaceful, tired, sleepy, which are all different emotions of good. And so I can actually like find out how my kid's feeling that day. And so as a teacher, I can like, all right, you said you're feeling calm while they're feeling secure. How does that work out? So there are, I, I like these exercises. I never thought of a poem 
I don't know if I could ask my drumline kids to write a poem. They probably think I'm joking, but I can see that being super helpful because then like their own words now describe a thought you had because I don't live anybody in this conversation's life and I'm not going to. So why would something you explained to me be how I portray it? You know, at least that's how I'm thinking as like a front ensemble member where we're now performing and being asked to do some of these things like face emotions where before it's just like, play fast notes and maybe get girls, but you know, fun ensemble. So um, I guess before we move on, we are gonna move on to more indoor and scholastic, but does anyone have any final thoughts on like just the whole, how each side kind of portrays emotion? It seems more of a like activity as a whole, but if anyone has any closing comments and wants to put a period on this part of the conversation, uh, go for it. I mean, I just think the like overall thing is like, the emotion and the performance is ever evolving. Like from what emotion and performance was 10, 20 years ago is completely different today. And it's not East Coast, West Coast. It's just how it's how it's evolving throughout time. Personally, how I have been taught for emotion is more breath. Like you, you express an emotion based on how you're breathing. So angry, you're breathing through your teeth. And it's, I don't know how applicable that would be to a horn line player, for example, but um, that's kind of where I draw the emotion from is I, I affect, I change my breathing um, in order to be able to change my emotion. And something that should always happen in a show is you should have varied emotions. And even when you have a happy emotion, your face shouldn't be in just one frozen form. It should be ever evolving, ever changing. It should be fluid and human. Um, and personally, my experience with teaching emotion is we sit down and we have a conversation and we try to come up with real world examples like this last winter um we were trying to portray like kind of a lonely yearning emotion and so I was like okay so have you ever walked into a cafeteria and realized that you don't have any tables to sit down at that you have any friends at and that kind of lonely isolated feeling while you're still in a crowd um and like almost immediately like everyone was able to relate to that kind of that kind of feeling um so kind of pulling from real world emotions and also just having the kids say in this part of the music i feel this or like throw words out there to try to like describe emotions in different ways so i think um with this whole like emotion thing um the best thing that i learned i, I was lucky enough to work with wayne last year at cadets and just any instructor that's really made an impact like performance wise on me um they use improv techniques a lot so whether it's they put on our show music or they put on something similar um and have you even if it's just like you lay there and they just talk to you through it and like figuring out that that actually helps um the instructors too the best instructors listen to what their kids are like or the students are giving them so it's like if they are feeling this way but they wanted to take the show in a different direction it might be more beneficial for the students if they go with the direction that they're actually feeling like raw and um how they're actually feeling it rather than telling them how to do it um because again then it becomes more raw and um authentic and that's just been i think that's been the biggest takeaway like performance wise for me is those instructors who listen to their students and take what the students give them with a piece of music and how they interpret it that's been most impactful to me Definitely, I think every um, show I've ever been in where there's more of a conversation about what to feel rather than 
like a direction or being told what to feel, I buy into it more as a performer. And if you're an educator and you're like teaching brass or uh, drums, try to take like a dance class or an improv class because those really help like putting yourself back into the student perspective and like learning and then being able to take it back to your group. Like what Mackenzie said with not being able to speak, like, like we as color guard performers have our face so we can kind of convey emotion better there. But brass members like usually have something here. Um, so they can't always use that. So maybe an improv class will teach you how to convey emotion with your body better than most color guard people can. Yeah, just to kind of uh, throw it back to old episodes, we actually, uh, our first episode uh, with Don Taylor, we actually talked about uh, breathing uh, as a whole ensemble thing. Um, I, as a percussionist, actually, I'll spare my Einstein talk. Just go back and watch that episode. Whenever I'm playing something too fast, I actually breathe to extend my limbs a little bit. And so I feel like I've actually like watched me play parts slower just because I breathe in a wallet. And so I find it interesting, Kirsten, that you said like, um, someone, I, my wife and I are watching Legend of Korra right now. And so I'm thinking of how like uh, Uncle Iroh just talking about how like everything comes from the breath of like, everything that we do and breathe and live and yes i'm quoting avatar right now but uh i think that i, I always found it interesting of how like you breathe to make yourself tense so it's like i could be tense and breathe fine but i'm not tense like because i don't feel like i'm about to pass out and so I find it interesting that you teach your girls and kids and stuff to like basically force themselves to be that way and then like because it's even breathing of like my shoulders drop when i'm more relaxed I have cold breaths, my shoulders shoot up. I, I, I just find it fascinating that like that. So if you want to go check that out, uh, our first episode with Don Taylor is a fantastic read of like breathing as a whole ensemble thing. Uh, and then Cyrus, you have the introduction to our next question because uh, Cyrus, he speaks. <laughs> um, so um, Amelia, at least before, um, uh, before this episode, I knew very little about uh, color guard and how they function all that being a tuba player all i know is uh being in my lonely little world with other tuba players and sharing one singular brain cell but <laughs> uh one thing i've always noticed about the color guard and that i have nothing but absolute respect for is the fact that unlike the horn line and the percussion the guard is there maybe in November, maybe December, and then they're just gone, usually because of indoor. Uh, but basically, they're gone from the core, and they don't come back until April or May. And the core's like, hey, welcome back. Uh, we all learned the music already. Have fun. Uh, so I guess I just wanted to ask, from your guys' perspective, um, how... I guess logistically, mentally, um, is there a challenge to that? And if so, how challenging is that? And uh, would you say there's a difference on handling that uh, between East and West Coast, uh, if that question makes sense? Yes. Yeah, so, like, if you're asking, like, is the challenge, like, the fact that the horn line and percussion knows their, like, musical book versus the color guard not knowing anything, is that kind of what you're meaning? I believe so. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So, I mean... When you think about it and you think about color guard, a lot of us typically start at the, like the sixth grade, fifth grade level and then move on. 
Um, and then you think about your musicians. Your musicians typically start in like the second, third grade level, depending on the school district. So you already have that little bit ahead kind of thing. So like we already naturally kind of start later. And then when you like secondly think about it, we can't do anything until we hear the music. So like it doesn't matter. Oh, uh, that makes sense. The horn line and the percussions at is because like we can't just like phantom spin to non-existent music and then put it to the music thinking it's gonna work. Like okay, let's just write eight counts and then it's gonna magically happen to the music and it's gonna work perfectly. That's imp almost impossible. And if that works out for someone, then they're probably a legitimate color guard god because they can predict what's gonna happen in that music. So I don't think it's really that stressful. It's more so the like how much time you're given to learn that specific part of the show with that music that they already know. Yeah, because we all know winter camps are notorious for like I've gotten five pieces of a movement in a week of a camp, and I'm like, uh -huh. I was, and I was expecting to have it memorized, and I got it. I got it once Friday driving to a camp. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I can imagine the guard being like. Hey, you know that really cool feature you guys worked on last week? It's two bars now instead of 32. Good luck. So I can see that like being just, why bother? Yeah. Um, um, even further than that, for the most part, we can't even write until there's drill, until they have the design of the show. Because um, a lot of times we're directing focus on the field. So if we need to like direct focus to a soloist over here, sometimes we'll do like a ripple down the field to that soloist. And so um, you can't really figure out where you need to direct focus until the drill exists. And half the time our choreography, especially with body, um, well, first of all, you can do very different things standing still than you can do when you're trying to travel. And what direction you're traveling also affects your uh, choreography or the other way around, what your choreography is affects, affects what direction you can travel, um, which can get you into trouble when most people are traveling one direction and they have like one or two people trying to travel the opposite direction. Um, that was actually this last summer I had to figure out how to do a tour which is a turning like you just jump and you try to turn uh in the air I had to figure out how to do it the opposite direction um like the exact opposite direction that was that was a fun time but um so we can't really write anything until we know the drill um and so there's kind of a that's also part of the reason why we focus so much on basics at the beginning of the drum course seasons we, we have nothing else to do um because y'all have to learn the music and then they write the drill and then we can write our choreography, which is why there's always like a time crunch on the choreography right before um, we start performing shows. Um, and sometimes that's not even filled in by the time we start performing shows. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, actually, yeah, from that perspective of just because you have to do it with the drill. So yeah, I could see how that, that just works out. Um, I guess maybe to add on to my question, though, uh, because you guys are gone, uh, typically because you're doing an indoor season, is there a challenge to you guys doing your indoor season and you learn an entire show on that end and then you come back and then you have to learn an entirely different show for outdoor? Uh, is, there, is there anything regarding that? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say... I feel like after the indoor season, you turn around and you like throw it out of your head and you move on and you're like, we're at drum corps now and you're here to learn something different. Right. I would say the challenge comes from uh, when they want you to do video assignments, um, especially being an East Coast person marching a West Coast color guard. 
because the basics exercises, they might not be totally different, but when I learned uh, a cone exercise or figure eight where you like explore the plane, um, our checkpoints were always to directly in front of you and directly behind you. And when I went to West Coast, they were to the end zones. So it's not like crazy different, but it's just something you have to think about when you're going to film your video assignment on Wednesday, but you have rehearsal on Saturday for East Coast Color Guard show um, or just like 12 hour rehearsal. And then, um, yeah, I would say that's the biggest challenge is remembering what you're doing and what technique your instructors like to see, especially like tossing and basics exercises because you, you're set in one way for a couple of months and then you go to film something and you have to switch it back to what you learned in November or December. Right. Oh yeah. And like to do like, like any kind of video assignments, like she was saying, like, all I can think about is like rifle, like for a rifle in the East coast style, like especially the Northeast, like we have a very interesting technique that is very different than the Florida technique and very different to the Texas technique and very different to the West coast technique. Like it's weird to think that like doing the same thing, say, okay, I want you to toss a toss on the rifle looks different from four different things. So you literally have to sit there and go, okay, they do this and I can't do this kind of thing. You have to really break down and actually break down your muscle memory, what you've been doing for your indoor season to do your outdoor season and vice versa. So what are some of those technique differences? I didn't mean to hop in because like we actually were trying to get this point in earlier. And also side note, the, the two brass, one drum guy in here, we're currently talking in our admin chat about how stupid we are. It's just like, <laughs> how hard is it for guard to just like, why can't they show? Oh, they don't have music. They don't have drill. So why bother? We all, we're all talking about just like, we're just so dumb for missing that. So thank you for answering that question as politely as possible. Again, we can't me too, but player, we share a brain cell with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so what are some of the like, uh, I know Mackenzie talked about, so what, what are some of the like hand placement differences that actually are there coast to coast? Um, um, and I, like, before we do that, I guess like real quick, can we explain the parts of the rifle flag or saber? Just so when we're talking about putting a hand on a butt, we're not touching our best friend's booty. We're actually talking about something more specific. Yeah, so like if you're looking at like a rifle, obviously color guard rifles are fake, but they look like a regular rifle. So where if you had a real rifle in your hand, like where the bullet is and gets shot out, that little narrow piece is called the nose. And then the bottom part of like a rifle where like you would have it is called the butt. Um, and then there's a little metal piece on top that would be kind of similar to like, I don't know my gun, like normal person gun terminology, but the top of that's called the bolt. And then you have the strap underneath. Um, and then like, there's just like little things like we call hardware, which is different metal pieces or other people call them different things. There's obviously different terminology even for that rifle, but typically you have the nose, the butt, the bolt and the strap. I just literally there's five different words for everything. I'll just say the other common one, instead of the nose, I usually call it the tip. Um, yeah. So just clearing that oh, yeah. up right now. Um, for saber, um, so you have kind of the handle where you grab things. Um, that is the hilt. There's a little several silver metal piece that kind of uh, covers uh, that grippy part, which we call the cage. Um, and then you have the blade, which is the rest of the saber. Um, and there is there's a spotter tape, uh, which is kind of the balance point, the center of mass. And then further out, closer to the tip on saber, 
um, which is the end opposite the hilt, is we usually put a catch tape there, and it's literally just a marker of where we put our hand when we catch. And it is somewhere between the balance point and the tip. And that's an arbitrary position based on what your guard decides to do as a team. So, um, so like one thing that's different that like I've noticed when like I've done my high school career of learning rifle and then I went to Vanguard and had to relearn and like rifle was like, for some reason, I feel like here on East Coast, we kind of like to look more. I mean, obviously, like we say the East Coast, Beast Coast, but we like to look stronger. And a lot of us, yeah, we like to have what we call like our elbow up. So a lot of us, when we're holding a rifle, our elbows at this nice up, like I almost tell my kids, like you're riding a motorcycle. Like that's what you want to see that muscle in your arm where you kind of go to West coast. It's kind of more natural, almost like a waterfall that goes from your shoulder down to your hand. If you're just listening and not seeing imagery. Um, so it kind of looks a more, little more like delicate and dainty. And that changes just like, so we have to lift our hand up to do a toss. So here, uh, versus regular up it changes the whole elbow and the entire release point of everything just from your elbow and where your elbow is placed yeah. and then when you're catching they do the same thing so instead of catching they catch with their elbow up and other times they would just have their arm at that nice waterfall again so it's that whole like looking like a beast almost and looking like strong versus looking delicate and dainty and just soft trying to catch it East Coast, East Coast. Um, but I would say with the, the kind of tossing technique, um, as you go to toss with the um, with that West Coast technique where your elbow is a little bit more natural, therefore a little bit more down, um, that also translates to the hand that tosses. And you tend to keep it just down by your side. It's more the hand leading the arm up, where I've seen some East Coast styles where it's lifting the elbow first to bring the hand up. Um, and I don't know if that's a true separation between the, the two different styles, but that's, that's one note that I have seen. Yeah, I can definitely agree with like releasing a rifle, like is very different in different areas. Like I know we have the Florida West coast ish kind of style for Vanguard, which was like, whoa, what is this kind of thing? So I was like, like doing that whole, like releasing at the same time almost versus East coast, you're typically taught you push one and then you lift the other. So it's separate and it's a separate motion instead of almost like a same motion. I guess, uh, B, what was the difference between like, I guess, uh, Jersey and fusion styles when you out to Blue Knights is kind of roughly all the same stuff? Um, Mostly the same. I would say I'm mostly a flag person, so. Okay, well I, then what's it in the flag world? Uh, Not too much difference. Uh, flag goes up and it comes down. Uh, I would say the terminology was different, yeah. We we called when it spun like one and a half times and the silk was down. We called it uh, one and a half uh, in the East Coast. And in the West Coast, they called it a double. And there was one time where we had an East Coast staff member from Cadets, Lauren Heller. She was out there. She's like, okay, guys, we're going to take it from the one and a half. And the whole flag line like panicked. They were like, we don't have that to show. And me and another kid who was from Connecticut, we were like, She's talking about the double, guys. It's fine. It's this part. And everyone's like, oh. But I would say that's, like, the biggest change is the terminology when you get there. Sometimes they say, oh, we're going to do this one. I, I've never heard of that. And then they demonstrate it. And you're like, oh, I do those in my sleep. So, Mariana, we're going to set this up. And then Mackenzie's got a story that she mentioned the last episode she wants to tell. 
Uh, but I we're tr we got about 10, 15 minutes until we're done. I don't know what this means, so I'm just going to say wrap technique versus press technique. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, that's, I don't. That's from Rodney Bailey in the chat. I I don't know what that is. So please, someone help I me out. Think he means his thumb, like some yeah, people the thumb, their thumb around when doing different <laughs> stuff. While others, what they call is like they push their thumb against that piece. So like if my hand is a rifle, some of them you can see that thumb over it while others will have it behind. Um, and it's, honestly, I feel like it's more so instructor-based on that aspect and not necessarily East Coast, West Coast. Um, yeah. Uh, I honestly, I'll be really real with you. The only time that I've ever run into the question of if it should be wrapped or pressed is the only time I've ever heard that it should be wrapped is actually based on weather. <laughs> so like if your gun is slippery and you don't know if it's going to come back into your hand, then you should absolutely wrap your thumb. I'm not going to talk about wrapping your thumb because I wrap my thumb way more than I should um, as a safety precaution for myself. Um, but no, so whenever you have a gun, if I had a gun in my room, which I should have done, um, your left hand that's underneath, especially when you're going to toss, is usually pressed and you should press it along the back and then release so that it just stays up and there. Whenever you wrap, you kind of create a whole other motion and it can actually cause the gun to kind of not rotate, With, but kind of, like, and then also like grab it away. It like spirals in the air if you think about yeah, it. Like, it, we call it uh, fishtailing. It, I think that's what we call it on the East Coast, but I don't know like if it's going. It like disco, yeah, yeah, I've heard disco too. Um, um, but it causes it to just kind of move different ways. But I don't think that's so much an East Coast, West Coast thing. I don't know if West Coast does that. Maybe I'm wrong. I. So director of Malachi was a St. Anne's girl um, and she, her face technique is wrap everything, drop spins, tossing, catching, everything. So I have done, it was just one season where she tried to apply it to, to Malachi when we were open, but drop spins wrapped. I like tossing technique. Oh my God. I like, oh my God. So, cause, cause your thumb is wrapped over top when you toss. So it makes you hold onto it longer which tends to send it over to your right side and what we call wrangling that makes yeah. you travel to the side in order to go to catch it. So I had to figure out how to release earlier. Um, didn't really have an issue with disc going actually, because if you let go all at once, it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, my um, issue is more rainbow with it. But yeah, you're yeah. definitely right. The other thing is with flag, because I didn't even think about flag with it. Um, when you press your thumb on the flag, it creates a lot more separation kind of tension rather than like squeeze this way, which yeah. Again, I've, I always teach a press thumb for drop spins or anything like that. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a squeeze. That didn't make sense to anyone. It doesn't feel like okay. Um, we all know what that means, though. Um, I always teach a press thumb there because it's so much more, like, secure and there's tension separation-wise rather than, like, build-up, which is weird. Mm -hmm. So, like, directly just grabbing something yeah. and squeezing instead of getting it to pull apart. I've never thought about the thumbs affecting that. That's... I don't really think about thumbs on flag, but I guess I press more than I wrap, I think, because the, having the thumb pressed along the side of the pole just gives you more control about where it is in space instead of just baby death gripping and hoping it does what you want it to. Yeah, I definitely feel wrapping thumb on flag is literally like the same as Mariana would say for like rifle or anything is like when you're like in Oklahoma, you're swimming through the air and everything is just wet, but it's yet sunny and no clouds in the sky kind of thing. 
And if you don't wrap your thumb, you're going to shoot your piece of equipment five yard lines over just because it's like a slip and slide in your hand. Yeah. So Mackenzie, like, when guess, can you get away with it? <laughs> so Mackenzie, I guess I'll toss it to you of, uh, cause you were, this was like the last time Mackenzie was on for the guard stuff. She's like, I really want to talk about this. And we went, give it a month. Um, because last episode wasn't East West. Uh, so like, what do you do? And when you get a drum corps of people from across the country and B has a great example of a staff member's like, yeah, do the thing. And everyone's like, what? And then like three people get it. Someone's like, oh no, it's this. And it's like, but well, I'll, I'll just give it to you. So what happened in Texas at the Santa Clara Vanguard at this one time? <laughs> have just lots of fun debates as per usual. Everyone does. You have nothing else to do in the summer. Um, I just distinctly remember it was like during, everyone was at the Denton show where like everyone in 2018 had to wear their half. So it was hot outside. So we were in a little like field house with no air conditioning and it was during drum samba we call it guard samba because color guard rules drum samba no um but i just remember like someone said bomb toss do a bomb toss like just as a joke like we were warming up and it blew up as like a giant controversial what is a bomb toss and i bet you for the like the four of us here we probably all have different definitions of what a bomb toss looks like some of us may have never even heard what a bomb toss looks like it like an hour everyone's doing different things you hear no well this is a bomb toss well no this is a prayer toss. like different terminologies just flying all over the place and you're just sitting here like what did i just get into and like what made it worse was texas and everyone's already like brain fried sun stupid all of that arguing about a toss and what it looks like and that's how drum corps color guard is when you have so many different techniques <laughs> stick goes up stick goes down Woo! Biggest color guard controversy is pole hit versus pole hit. Yes. Um, just said the same thing. P-U-L-L like, versus P-O-L-E. No, she didn't. Is it about the action of pulling or the fact that you're hitting a pole? That is like you the biggest the color guard It's a pole. It's a pole. I'm going to say it to the day I die. It's a pole. It's a pole. It's a P-U-L-L. There is no reason to call it a pole hit. It's the action. call a rifle hit if you're just doing a hand spin. That's a rifle hit. No. Very scary. I'm closing that debate hit. right now. Hit. There is pole. no debate. It's a poll. Yeah, I like someone posted in like a like a color guard Facebook page a little like vote on a pull hit, pull hit, and like yeah. blew up angry acts. Like I'm pretty sure people unfriended people. Like <laughs> that's how serious some people are. Very serious on the terminology technique. That is very like. Not some of it's East Coast, West Coast, some of it's just styles and different areas that you learn from that's passed down through different generations. But you're just like, wow, like it's very different than what you really think. Like you can sit at a like world color guard show and sit at a drum corps show and they're all doing the same thing, up, down, up, downs. But then when you sit there during practice, it is completely different world. So I guess uh, just for the sake of we could probably do this for three hours. Gareth Cyrus and I could just walk away. I'll come back tomorrow morning and I'll still be going. But uh, thank you, ladies, so much for coming out. We're about to move on to closing comments. And I think we now know why we decided to make this an entire episode. Because, like, yeah, I'm very confused. I'm very tired. I've been doing stuff for work all day. And I came to this. And I'm just like, I barely know what's happening. But it's also just really cool because... Um, to go more serious, you know, I've I've been in the color guard world for my wife. I've done some drill 
taught some work actually that was a nightmare but i did do it um and like i, I always find color guard interesting because like i love marching bands and i love metal and i love rock and maybe it's just because i physically touch my instrument i feel very connected to it but i'm never as connected about it as color guard um some of the conversations that we're gonna get into tonight was like funding scholastic and stuff like that but i always find it interesting that like um whenever my wife uh i talk color guard in general my wife gets very defensive because like that show is hers um that performance is hers while like to me it's black and white notes on a page and then i'm performing and then i have my facial stuff but for her it's just like it's just very naked expression of like this is my body this is my performance this is me love it or hate it i really hope you can understand what i'm saying um and so i always it color guard conversations the ones i make myself shut up about just because like it's so fascinating to listen to because as we just heard pull hit pull hit is like the difference between like wrist rotation and arm rotation for drums like we all care about it and like it's passionate but like then you start talking about like facial expressions and i find it interesting like that where we disagree and fight on drums guard are just like oh no that's really cool we just do this and it seems like a very supportive community um it's one that's as an assistant band director, it's very easy to cut the budget from because like they're not musicians, musicians in the technical sense, but they're still artists. And they just, they, they're doing the same exact activity we do, which is completely, I guess, backwards in a positive way of the what they value from it isn't what I value from it. I like closing my eyes and watching shows and listening because to me, that's where I get my aesthetic value. I really like it. I think a drum corps show is worth, like if I can drive in my car, it's a good one color guard can't feel that way because like they can't listen to it to get that stuff they have to watch it so all in all support your color guard folks um after covid stuff's gonna happen we again we didn't really get to talk about it guard is on the chopping blocks right now just because we're trying to figure out if we're gonna have a season or not and as band budgets are getting very limited including my own um what we're allowed to do for the next year I see a lot of really good scholastic color guards folding just because athletic directors are going to be like, we need to shut down budgets. I need to just focus on the essentials. Um, and if it's not a band music ensemble, it, there's a decent chance we might not see it around. So that doesn't just mean hit up a superintendent. That just means like, you know, volunteer donations. They're tax deductible, by the way. So just get, toss some money to your local band program, and then you can write it off your taxes. It's a taxable donation. It's great. Helps to save some money. And then, like, do the best you can. Reach out to band directors. Help out your guard instructors. Do stuff like that. Um, I'll, I'll let that be my closing comment of just help support the activity as best you can, because we started this podcast to kind of show we are literally all in this together. Uh, we might do a future episode. I don't think drum corps is going to happen in 2021. I don't think that's a negative thing to say. I think that's a really sad thing to say, but I'm also not convinced baseball is going to finish the season this year. And that's my all time favorite sport. You know, it's, it's a hard time you live in, but this odd thing we have a band. I just, I'm always inspired by the passion that my wife has. Like I love teaching with her because like, I love what I do. But if I want to continue what I do, I could have just become a band director. If my wife wants to continue what she does, she goes on, um, she goes homeless because there are no guard jobs. And I feel like guard really gets that moment of this is fleeting. 
I could literally not have, I know Kirsten was talking about, I could not have three jobs in like a drop of a hat because like if guard in Colorado, if it snows one winter and it's just like we have to cancel guard, it's done, you know? So I want to toss it around to our lovely ladies that we have here and then we'll kind of go to Gareth and Cyrus for the end of it and then we will uh, get on out of here. So B, any closing comments? Yeah, uh, jumping off the COVID thing, uh, I think it's interesting that WGI kind of started a campaign. They're selling masks now. They're trying yeah, to that was today. tell people, yeah, they're trying to tell people like, hey, like take this seriously because we might not have a season. I think they're starting to sweat about it. Um, so wear your mask, wash your hands. Um, and I think with the whole East Coast, West Coast, it comes down to it's different approaches. It's different terminology. But at the end of the day, like we're all just trying to do band. And it's cool. Like, try something new, learn something new, march under a staff you haven't marched under before, because you'll learn a lot. And I think it makes you a more diversified uh, performer. Yeah. Um, for me, I do color guards. One, because flags on a field or flags on a fort can be fun, but that's not all I'm here for. I'm here for the, the people. Um, that I meet in guard and I hear I'm here for just the controllable challenge that I get out of it. Um, it's something I know is surmountable for me. Um, and yet it's something that really pushes me to be a better person um, and to be a better, I can't repeat myself. Um, yeah, to just be a better person constantly. Um, and with COVID um, coming through, there's a lot of my students who I know use Color Guard as a safe space, but I'm not sure that space is gonna be there um, in these coming years, so. Yeah, I mean, Color Guard's that escape for everyone. And like, I finally just had my first in-person socially distant practice this past week with uh, one of my Color Guards after doing an entire month of Zoom. And like, I've had a few seniors just crying because they're like we know that like we might not have a season but just literally like they have to draw a chalk square six foot using their flag to sit in to spin and that's their spot they can't go near anyone they're like the fact that i can just sit in a parking lot holding a flag in my hand i'm happy like thing and like that's just the thing that like even as band directors instructors texts or anything just be there for those students that are really losing a lot of time especially those high schoolers that like those seniors like they just went from an indoor season that they lost. They may have, were going to march DCI, DCI. They just lost that. And now that they're probably going to lose mostly their entire senior year of performance art stuff, like it is as instructors and just anyone to support it, it's our duty to just be there for them, whether it's offering Zoom classes, giving them stuff that you see online from other organizations, Zoom classes or anything, just being there to support them and support each other. That's the most important thing right now. And then, like B said, East Coast, West Coast. Yeah, there's a difference throughout indoor, outdoor, all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, we all are here to support each other and love each other through it. Yeah, I just, I want to say thank you to Cyrus, Gareth, and David for having this. I mean, it's it's really rare for, <laughs> it's, it's really rare for guard to be like, heard in a way guards a really easy thing to like push aside we're not musicians like we're doing something completely different than you guys it's funny when you guys said that you didn't even think about the fact that like we don't have drill or anything like we literally can't move on it's so um, obvious I it's so I obvious know, i know but you never think about it but and it's funny to me because 
you got, I, I know that there's so many people at drum corps who are always like, oh, it's like the guard is doing technique again. Like, can't they do something in their show? It's so easy to push that aside and like not think about the fact that we literally can't yet. Um, but I think it's just, like I said, it, it's great that you guys are like having a conversation about color guard. And um, if anybody's listening, that's a band director or just a fellow student that's in brass or percussion or anything, get to know what color guard is. I think guard tends to do a good job of like trying to get to know percussion and brass and like trying to, and if they don't, they should. Um, that's the best thing you can do is just get knowledge about every other section and learn about everybody so you can appreciate it more, especially if you want to become an educator. Learn about each section. Like band directors, learn about your color and take into account things and um, have the conversation about what's best for them, especially during these crazy, weird times. Have that conversation and say, hey, what can I do for you? And what's going to be most beneficial for you to grow again it's not just a physical like kids are hands are getting rusty like we're all getting rusty right now by sitting around doing nothing and spinning in our yards by ourselves um there's no one around us to push us and to choreograph for us and do these kind of things but it's also a mental strain it's it's really hard to not have like i've been doing drum drum corps for seven summers and not having the summer is mentally um devastating it's and i didn't think it would be but it is it's a little draining and um you dwell on it some days so i can't imagine seniors that are having their upcoming seasons or seniors who missed out on their last one or kids that are even any kid i mean it's again it's an outlet for a lot of people so it's really important to acknowledge that and um yeah just uh, appreciate your color grades a little bit um so i guess uh, for my closing thoughts um first off to our guests uh, obviously thank you Thank you for so much for coming on. And uh, like me, David, and Gareth, we definitely knew we had to uh, especially have a guard episode, not just for East or West Coast for this episode, but just in general have a good color guard representation because like I know from what I've saw, like like from what I see online, people talking in from my own color guard friends, uh, there isn't a lot of representation. I don't. We, we don't see a lot of conversations happening online compared to horn line and percussion. So, like, we knew going to this podcast, like, we definitely have to have these kinds of episodes, and this was very enlightening. Uh, I learned a lot. I even saw just how uh, there, there were some similar, like, there were some similarities with how guards operate and with how, how uh, we do it on the horn line between East and West Coast. So, on that end, this was very enlightening. Uh, uh, yeah, basically that. Thank you, thank you guys again for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, coming on. I really love the conversation, and uh, thanks for everyone in the chat, especially uh, Jake, who we had on uh, last week. <laughs> it's good to hear from you again. Um, yeah, but just echo what everyone else is saying. Uh, love your color guard people. Uh, be patient with them uh, <laughs> since they. Uh, can't do anything until uh, we we have our stuff together on the horn line. So uh, be patient with them, love them. And uh, something I've been, I, I do every once in a while is I uh, try to watch a show and like only focus on the color guard <laughs> because I noticed that like, oh, I only watch the horn line because that's me. So I really need to be focusing on other sections. Um, so definitely uh, challenge yourself to, to do stuff like that and uh, learn and love the other sections. Yeah, um, and I'll do the logistics one. I'm also, I, I'm gonna plug something real quick. Uh, if y'all have Instagram, 
the Podman Color Guard is a brand new podcast that the Podman just put out. Um, I actually just sent him a message to see about tagging forces because um, I think it's the lack of representation shows for Color Guard and that like in the non-bad way, this has been our lowest viewer count for an episode. And I think it's because like there's just not enough people that actually know to talk about Color Guard because they're just like, pull, pull. All right, that's the time in a conversation I've ever heard before in my life. I'm going to zoom out. And so it's like, it's one of those, we want to help. I, I, I just, I want to start as much of this podcast about bringing conversations to light that don't happen. So go follow the Podman. Uh, it's called the Podman Color Guard, all one word on Instagram. Uh, they just started a couple weeks ago. I don't know if they have any actual episodes out. It's um, uh, someone from Crown, his name is Dora. She's, uh, she's running it um, with someone named Reggie. And so it's, they're going to they're gonna have some awesome materials out. I guess you know someone named Reggie, uh, Mariana. So Mariana approves of the people on the podcast. So yeah, go check them out. Uh, we just, us and I guess the podcast community wants you to all like go love each other and stuff like that. Um, big fans of y'all stuff. I'll stop talking now. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out to the Drum Corps podcast. Uh, we hope you guys have a box drive week.